a playlist original. Coming soon. 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 a playlist original this is the films at home podcast your source for everything home entertainment hey everyone jeff here from films at home and thanks for coming back to the films at home podcast today in today's podcast we have a really exciting interview that i did with james mccoskey who works as a film restoration expert and archivist for american zoetrope which is the company the production company that's owned by francis ford coppola and george lucas so james has worked on the most recent godfather trilogy 4k blu-ray restoration he's also worked on apocalypse now the outsiders and a few other movies and he has a lot of stuff in the works as well working with francis ford coppola and george lucas at that american zoetrope studio so very cool guy super excited that he was able to take any time out of his busy day since he does these restorations by himself largely he spent 30 minutes with us and i couldn't be more appreciative of that so in a second here we will transition over to the interview and that will take about a half an hour like i said and then i'll come back to you at the end for some follow-up and some just closing remarks so sit back relax hope you guys enjoy this interview with james there are a ton of interesting topics in here from film restoration to preservation to hdr grading on older movies to 2k upscales to 4k Lots of different things that we covered in just a half an hour. So huge thank you to James. Sit back, relax, enjoy this interview, and I'll talk to you guys when it ends. All right, guys, here we are with James McCoskey, um, who is going to have a little conversation with us here about film restoration and the, the really cool work that he does behind the scenes on some of your favorite 4k releases um and some really cool stuff that's come out lately like the godfather 4k trilogy which i loved so james just want to say thank you so much for taking the time thank you for the Um, kind words and i'm glad you liked it so (laughs) oh loved it loved it it was like watching it for the first time um incredible um so yeah if you want to just give like maybe a little quick background on your you know, your experience and how you how you got into this and what you've worked on in the past so people can get a little uh, background feeler on that. Yeah, I went to school at the uh, University of East Anglia, what was a small regional uh, film archive in, in England uh, that taught taught the practical uh, practicalities of, of te- teaching film archiving and the hands-on uh, working with film. And uh, that's, that's what I... W- grown to love um uh that i wasn't much in pr- production uh, i wanted to be sort of on the history side of things and uh, archiving was sort of like oh that that's kind of cool and uh, i sort of found my way uh to to francis by uh kind of a similar way in how he found the bay area he he didn't see himself as a filmmaker in in LA and wanted to, to do his films outside of Hollywood. And, you know, I worked in uh, UCLA for a couple of years and I, I was born and raised in, in, in Northern California as well. And I would wanted to, to, to get back to, to where I first fell in love with film. Uh, so uh, he was working 
on a film, Apocalypse Now, Redux, the new director's cut. And he, during that time, it was a very difficult process. There was a lot of, a lot of material uh, with Apocalypse. And when they wrapped that up, they said, you know, when, if we're going to do this again, we need someone to, that has experience with working with film and uh, going through the collection and help us. So uh, they were working one from the heart and Outsiders, uh, a new cut of the Outsiders called The Complete Novel. And so the timing was right. They were looking for someone and... Uh, uh, it, it's sort of uh, uh, happy, lucky coincidences that, that all came together. Nice. And just to clarify, because I know you said Francis, but you are working directly. Yes, uh, I am the film archivist for Francis Ford Coppola. Sorry. Yeah. That's all right. <laughs> I've worked with him for about 20 years. Uh, and yeah, it's it's been a, a great, great I'm very fortunate to, to, you know, not many people get to stay with the, in their jobs this this long, and I'm I'm very happy that I found a place that uh, l- really puts um, incentive behind taking care of uh, their collection and their library, which is you know not too many filmmakers have their own uh, own their own rights to their films. So, no, absolutely, we've we've seen that you know potent- it's it's been an issue on some releases too where. Um, you know, maybe the director or the filmmaker didn't have a chance to take a look at something before it went out. And, you know, then there have been re-released versions afterwards. So I do appreciate that. But I just want to clarify that um, Francis was not just any Francis. This, no. was a, this was the big deal, Francis, who you work for. So, um, yeah, no, it's 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 awesome that he he kind of set up his own um, own little, you know, his own studio and, and handles all the restoration work, you know, in-house. Um, because I think it shows. I think it shows when you look at Apocalypse Now and you look at The Godfather, um, The Outsiders, like that stuff looks incredible. Yeah. I mean, well, it's really, really well done. Well, that started, you know, we always did that when DVDs were first around. We got right into that business of making our own DVDs for our library. Um, the restorations started not that long ago, about 20, I'd say 26. 11 was when we were first got the idea of doing it ourselves we were working on cotton club and the new cut of cotton club called cotton club encore and we worked with the the fabulous labs but you know there were we as as the everybody knows i don't know if everybody knows but american zoetrope is sort of very frugal and uh, try to be low budget and do these things um as much as possible with the crew on hand. We have a short, not that much, we don't have a very big staff, but we like to take on as much as possible in-house. And so, you know, Encore sort of gave us that idea that perhaps we could do the restorations ourselves. Maybe the technology allows us to to do that. And we looked into it and, you know, we we made our own computers or built our own computers or systems and software was affordable to, to take it on ourselves. And that sort of gave Francis the ability to be hands-on, you know, instead of letting these things go overseas, you know, a lot of the restoration work does go overseas and, um, you know, and and becomes impersonal. Uh, It it, it it takes that uh, hands-on approach away from us and those decisions away from us that we thought was very important to us to be able to make those decisions in the room. Right. No. And that makes it makes total sense, because I know that uh, especially recently, we've seen a lot of uh, recalled discs and things that have had issues. And, um, you know, I have a feeling when you get the filmmaker involved at the beginning, you'd catch those things. You know, those are the type of things you wouldn't miss. 
Yeah, as a funny situation, I thought uh, someone emailed me the other day and very upset that uh, Godfather 2 came out and had a, a problem with the disc. And he says, you know, they listed all the discs that then recalled. He says, here's another situation. And he flagged uh, a, a problem with the the scene where uh, the Cubans are uh, revolting. They, they, they're they going to overthrow their government and they're throwing everything out into the streets. And he says, there's a map. Uh, on one of the frames and i said well actually no that was in the original photography you probably didn't notice it for the last 50 years because it didn't look so good on in home video but now 4k reveals that those were perforations that were torn in the camera as they were shooting and it's always been part of the film so everybody's sort of hypersensitive of, of, of these things but now with 4k you kind of reveal some of the the original flaws and that we've kept in yeah, no, and I, th I think, honestly, I think it's important. I mean, you know, you want it to look as faithful to the original, you know, as possible. And so, you know, I obviously 4K would would reveal the occasional, you know, little slip up on, you know, the original filmmaking or, you know, I know sometimes with like practical effects, like, yeah, 4K doesn't do, uh, it doesn't do a lot of practical effects justice from back in the day. It really exposes some stuff, but I mean, that, that is, that is what it is. Like that is the original. That is the, you know, that's the look and feel that people got back in the sixties and seventies. And that's sort of what we want with 4k. So I can really appreciate, you know, what you guys have done with that and really took good care of these movies. It's hard when an audience does, is not familiar with the look of film and all. And, uh, they expect it to look like a, a new film. And, you know, I think generally, uh, you know, with Apocalypse and, and God, it looks like it was shot yesterday. But some of the, you know, like the older films that were special effects driven, you know, sometimes it does fall apart a, a little, little bit. And I think that's why George was conscious of that with his films, you know, and had to do some of the special effects again, because they, they wouldn't look as good as, or believable as they did in 77 they, they they were passable but you know 40 50 years later they they they, they didn't hold up as well so right no and, and you, you bring up a good point too where um you know i've had a lot of people on the channel one thing i've been preaching a lot is how great movies that were shot on film can look on 4k compared to something shot in 2006 that's got a you know 2k digital intermediate and is, is kind of trying to be upscaled or whatever. Um, and so I, I'm just curious, like, have you, have you worked on both digital and film restorations? And like, can you, can you kind of add to, you know, people, people don't believe me when I say it, but like film has such a high resolution. You can do amazing things with new technology to scan that and make it so clean. Um, so just want to know, could you comment on that a little bit? So they hear it from somebody who's not me. Cause I've been preaching this for years and I need some backup. Well, yeah, I haven't really. It, it, we're so new. We did shoot uh, with 1080 cameras, the F950, Sony F950s that shot Youth Without Youth and uh, Tetro and, and, and Twix. They look, they look beautiful. I mean, great. But unfortunately, it's locked in in, in an HD. We can't do anything more to that than you know try to upscale. You know, um, I. I, I think that's the benefit of what film is. 
it isn't really better than 4K in 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 some in some ways. People say, well, what's beyond you know film? Uh, can you do 8K? And I'm like, I don't really see the benefit beyond 4K in the films. And I know a lot of people will disagree with me because you know larger format 70 certainly can get a lot more information. But 35 millimeter, you know, it's hard to make that case with even an ordinary uh, people who are not familiar. And when they see it 1080, it looks beautiful to them. Blu-ray looks great, and 4K, it's it's sort of hard you know it wasn't those leaps and bounds from vhs to dvd dvd to blu-ray now we're kind of finding this happy little plateau that we've gotten to with making films look probably in the sense i don't think anyone's ever really seen it look as good maybe the rare time that they made a first answer print off the negative and sitting in the lab but generally when it went to theaters you know it was two or three generations away and it's been projected to hell and scratched to hell. And, you know, people didn't have the luxury to, uh, as now being able to see it for the first time um, as if it was a first print from, from, from the film. But um, yeah, I, I haven't really done too much upscaling. We, there is stuff that we shot um, uh, 20 years ago with the, with the same cameras and we're, we're experimenting with that, but I don't think we would do that with the film itself. It's only like film uh, footage of B B roll that we were experimenting to see if it could fit in. But um, but yeah, it's it's it, it. I I I think it's still it's false. It's 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 making tricking something that's not not to be uh, looking the way it sh should. I I don't know if that makes sense, but uh, I it, it's it's uh. That's why I, I'm lucky that I haven't done too many digital restorations because I think that uh, it is going to be a concern about how to make a 4K, you know, when it was only 1080. And, you know, uh, I, I'm not sure that it needs to be, you know, it should just be in the native resolution that it was originally shot in. Yeah. yeah. No, but in my I, personal opinion. No, and no, I, I sort of agree. There's a lot of movies that I've reviewed on 4K and said, well, you know, there's there's not much here. Uh, you know, maybe they did some HDR. There was, you know, there's some color grading enhancements, but it's not going to look a whole lot different than your Blu-ray look. Blu no, it's not good. going to. And we, we uh, I talked to our DP who shot a lot of the last films. And I was like, is there anything we could do to make, you know, do HDR? And he's like, it's, there's just, it's not, it's not going to be if it was shot in that resolution and the color gamut and the 16 bit, but it, we just don't have that information. <laughs> so it's just slapping a label, but it's not, it's, sort of it's it's false it's it's doesn't it's not going to be you can't you can't force information when it's not there it, right and that's why I've, I've you know some people give me a hard time but i say i swear some of these discs almost look like somebody just applied an instagram filter over the top of it you know it's it, how, how much could you really do the data doesn't exist so you are just sort of throwing a filter on it in some cases um it, it just doesn't impress me as much but that this is where i get curious when you go back to a movie like the Godfather apocalypse now, and you know, how, how does that, that color grading for, for 4k and HDR, you know, how does that work and how much data is there that you actually have to play with? Yeah. Being able to scan, uh, you know, I think the last scan was done 10, 10 bit now 16 bit, which is a far much wider color gamut. And you do, you're able to, to go in there and, 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 bring a dynamic color dynamic that didn't wasn't ever seen before and i'd say you know a lot of people will talk about 
you know, it's not, it didn't look like this before. And it's, it's true. Each technology brings a new presentation. Uh, I would say this is a new presentation that had hasn't been seen seen before, you know, and I think but we were trying to be very re faithful to the original idea and concept and Francis being there too, that uh, that affords us the ability to to play or offer a new presentation, you know, it, not destroying the look of, of the previous, you know, those are those are there and preserved as well, you know, that look. Uh, I know the 2007-2008 Godfather release was very special to people, as it, as it should. You know, Robert Harris did an amazing job, and, you know, the film had never, never looked as good as it did back in 2008. And it, it came a long way, and he showed the importance of what happened to the film. You know, the film had gone and been beaten over the last, at that time, 40 years, and pieces were cut out, uh, dupe negative was cut in, replacement shots were cut, you know, things. And so he had to unwind all that stuff. And so it was because of him and Gordon Wilson that oh, that 08 restoration allowed us to to up it and take it to a, a, a new level and a new presentation for this. So, Yeah, so how, I mean, how well preserved were those, those original sources given that, you know, Francis sort of had, control over them right so well we don't own godfather but that was all paramount and paramount you know is not the studio as it was in the 70s and a lot of studios way back 50 years ago they didn't really care about presentation it wasn't thinking they were thinking about the new film because that's that's where the money is you know um and when films leave the theaters there's just a little money it's 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 it's, it's peanuts compared to to new newer newer films and so uh you know, decisions were made, but Paramount really came on board uh, over the years to make sure that this doesn't happen to any of their their library titles. And um, starting from the 90s on, and, and Andrea Callis, my colleague over at Paramount, uh, really had a team that uh, made sure that they looked through everything and, and found as much as possible. And, and they built a beautiful archive that's... Uh, temperature and humidity controlled so hopefully these things these issues do not happen again or can be found in 50 years later yeah and i think that's why it's it's so important that people like yourself are going back to these and, and creating these digital 4k restorations that we know can be preserved in this you know we don't we don't have to worry about that degrading right We've got it cleaned up. We have it in a format that we're not going to lose it because there are a lot of movies that have been yeah. lost over the years. Well, it's it's, it's lost, but I, I think with the you know to you can't you can't rest easy to think that we've done our job and it won't be lost again because digital uh, once it's digital it's it's in some ways a lot more fragile. Hard drives go. Uh, it it is a it, film film in some ways. Is great. We we know we have a lot of silent films that not on nitrate that's been around for a hundred years. Um, it has deteriorated, but if you put that nitrate film in a vault back then, and that was if it was in the right conditions, it could last for generations, hundreds of years, you know. Um, and but digital, we have problems restoring a hard drive that's a couple years old or an LTO tape that's not. Uh, goes back only a few generations and you're still trying to find the computer that can run that software to restore that tape and you know and a lot of ways 
technology has created a lot more of a, a challenging issue with, for preservation. No, that's interesting. I haven't really thought about it in that way, but you're, you know, you're totally right. If you had, if, if 30 years ago you had files on a floppy disk, you know, what, what are you going to do in 10 years, 20 years? If you don't ever, you know, you don't have the software, software. you don't have the computer to run that software. And so you now you have a warehouse of keeping all old technology, and that that's that's that's, that's a problem. Uh, even if you could get it running, do you still have the plugins the the to to have that created the soundtrack? You know, uh, uh, we have problems with Pro Tools that a lot of their old plugins that they were created don't exist anymore, and you're having like, finding an archive of those. So, yeah. So I mean, what is what is the thought for the future of the? I mean, just kind of keep keep updating as technology updates and migration and redundancy is pretty much our our mantra of making sure that you have multiple copies of these things you know um you know digital is not uh, as as cheap they keep saying you know hard drives are getting cheap and cheap it's still pretty expensive to keep uh hundreds of terabytes uh pentabyte uh, uh live and on a tape it's it's a very expensive endeavor and still you're having to create uh have storage and pay for storage for the physical assets so which in a lot of ways is the most important thing to keep that original you know so so how how large a file is something like the godfather when you're done you know uncompressed before it gets to the disc obviously we know the 4k disc we get up to 100 gigs that's sort of it um so there is some compression that happens to get it on a disc how, how large is that file? Uh, i think with un- uncompressed when i turn over the film it could be about 20 30 terabytes and then it then it's compressed down to to what a 4k disc can handle uh i want to say 500 gig you know it's 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 compressed quite quite a bit to get down to that i don't know what the final um i'm trying to think what to go with the apocalypse i think it was probably under uh, a terabyte uh, uh to to fit on the discs. wow yeah so that's the thing there's you know there's this conception that yeah your your 4k blu-ray is it's uncompressed you're getting the and it's like uh no they're <laughs> they're much bigger than that there is they're much bigger than that happens. yes I say, yeah. well, with the leader and everything, with each reel, I, uh, Apocalypse and Godfather, the longest films we've had, and it's between 20 and 30 terabytes of data for uh, 10, 10 reels of film, you know, uncompressed 4K. Yeah. And so how long how long were those restorations? Because those are quite the, quite the movies. They're both epics. They're both extremely long. You know, how long does it take to go through that and restore something for 4K of that magnitude? Well, I, you know, the luxury of the studios have, they have a team of people. Uh, Criterion has a fabulous group of people that do this, and uh, they can do things a lot quicker than I. I'm just one person, and sometimes I can bring in a friend of mine uh, who's our editor, Robbie Schaefer, and we can work on it at tandem. Uh, so it takes us a lot longer. Uh, or the studio sometimes use you know outside help. Uh, they go to India or, or, or China to to do a lot of the cleanup, and that saves saves a lot of time. And sometimes they can do that in a couple couple weeks. I generally you know, apocalypse took me a year. Uh, I have the luxury of time. Uh, there's no no deadline. I, I try to plan these things far in advance, so I allow myself not uh, having crunch time and needing it done in a couple couple months. You know, Godfather 3 took us six months. It was in fairly good good shape, and 
so it varies. It depends on the condition of the, the material and the length. So generally, I, I would say an average film probably would take me uh, th three to six months. And you are doing this essentially. You're, you're on your own first. You know, you might bring in a friend. Yeah, uh, I do it right help. here. I mean, the restoration system is what I'm talking to you on right now. So It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's just, cause I know how large some of these departments can be at other, you know, like you said, at some of the studios and the amount of people they have working on it. So huge, huge props to you for being able to, to do these movies that are just huge movies all on your own. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, we started, uh, almost 10 years ago. We first just started, with, we, we started with the smaller films, you know, so, okay, well, uh, you know, before we touched Apocalypse, you know, we started like Dementia 13 to get our hands. Yes, I wanted to talk on, about on that thing. one. And uh, Dementia was a good one because it, it showed that we could do it and, and, and could do it very well. And uh, then so we just sort of took a little bit, a little bit on and, and soon we took on Apocalypse. And eventually our work got noticed and, 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 you know, people like Paramount said, well, yeah, sure, let's team up. Let's do it together, you know, and this was a great collaboration and doing it from home. We were sort of COVID ready. Uh, we did it. We were working from home even before COVID and when COVID hit things closed down and, uh, we were able to take on more, more work on Godfather. Uh, we originally weren't supposed to do Godfather one and two. We were supposed to just do Godfather three, but we had problems with the labs being closed, uh, and getting cleanup done on time and, and, and running the risk of missing the 50th anniversary. So, uh, Andrea and her team asked us to maybe pitch in a little. And I said, sure, we, we would love to. So, um, so that happy circumstance again. So lucky to be able to have been, been there at the right time. Yeah. And dementia 13 too. I think that deserves some more attention. I think that was his, that was France's first film. Is that right? So that came out on a, uh, Blu-ray release from, uh, the Vestron video line with Lionsgate. Um, and I just, yeah, I did want to talk about that a little bit. I didn't, I didn't realize it was the, so that's the first one you, you also had worked on with. Correct. Him. Yes. I yes. mean, really, after really Cotton well Club done. Encore, we started with, uh, Tucker and Dementia 13. Yeah. And really well done. And I think it deserves more attention. So anyone who's listening, Dementia 13, Blu-ray, yeah. well worth it. That should have, we hopefully someday we'll have a 4k. It has 4k streaming, but, uh, you know, it's, it is, trying to convince studios to, to do the expense of making a 4k, you know? Oh yeah. And it's a bit of a, you know, that's a bit of a niche title compared to, they know the Godfather and apocalypse. Now we're going to sell on 4k. And I can imagine that they've both. Well, I all want my titles looking at uh, a 4k, you know, of so, course. So that's, <laughs> so that's the best it can be. And I want people not to have a compromised version, but the Blu-ray looks great and we're quite happy with it as well. Yeah. So um, I guess, you know, before before you go here, is there anything coming, you know, in the future, anything you can talk about, any future projects? What's, you know, what's sort of next for, for you? Uh, and for Francis? Francis titles, I'm doing, uh, currently working on a title called Is Paris Burning from 1966. Francis wrote it with Gore Vidal. Uh, it is about the um, French resistance. Uh, you know, and you, this is a very interesting period of time for Francis as a writer. He was seen as a war... Uh, 
uh, a war writer. You know, he could he did Patton, wrote Patton, but this was before a couple of years before Patton. Uh, but he already wrote the script for for Patton a couple of years before Is Paris Burning. So he was seen as okay, this guy can can do that. So Pat, Is Paris Burning is is one of those that you know part of the path that got to Apocalypse in in some ways. Um, so uh, that that uh, working on and then a uh, personal film from our library that is um, one from the heart uh, which I think will look great in in HDR and I'm not a title that gets a lot of recognition you know, I was a uh, so a title that fell uh, right after apocalypse now and completely a left turn from apocalypse now but a beautiful beautifully shot film from Vittorio at Storaro and I think will look good in, in 4k so that that I am working on and it is the plan to have a physical 4K for each of those? Or do you not know it yet? Uh, that is always a decision that comes in once I just <laughs> yeah. turn it in. Uh, but my goal is always to try to push push for that. Um, you know, I suspect this Paris will probably go straight to 4K streaming, you know, and I don't know if that'll be a physical release. But I think one from the heart will will merit. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Nice. Well, yeah, I mean... Of course, I'd always love to see them all come to disc. Uh, yeah. But I mean, there is, you know, there is the the sales part of it. It costs money to make a disc and you've got to make the money back. And so I, you know, totally get Sa- that. Too. Same with film. You know, it's cheaper to make DCPs now than to make film prints. And, right. You know, that's the nature of distribution, unfortunately. Yeah. You know? No, and I've been, you know, I've been trying to preach too, like, hey, you know, 4K streams, it's not the end of the world. I know it's not the quality you're going to get on a disc. You know, there's a little bit more compression that goes into a stream. But I mean, those are, there's still some great restorations that, that are available out there. Um, so, you know, I try to, I try not to be the guy who's just like, ah, if it's not on disc, I'm not watching it. Cause then you're going to miss a lot of really good stuff. Um, so, you know, we'd always love a disc, but um, you know, you have to, you have to play with the times. Uh, there was a, there's the same group that people said, I won't ever watch it on VHG. So I have to have it on my laser disc. And it was like, that's like, it's not still like great, but I, I'm happy where we are. And streaming still offers a, a, a much better, if you want to compromise, I think streaming is still a, a, a great way, way to see this film. I would rather than seeing it on, than on VHS. <laughs> so if you, if you, if you've seen how films came on and looked at v, like Apocalypse on VHS, it's like, I, that's the, I think it's the murkiest thing out uh, and, and it being compromised in the aspect ratio. It's, uh, I, I, don't know how any filmmaker could have wished their films to go that route you know? but <laughs> thankfully i think home video came a long way oh yeah long way in a short time too in a short time yeah. exactly just from dvd to blu-ray to 4k has been incredible i mean that's yeah. just a 20-year transformation so yeah. um you know are, are you a collector yourself do you have a little 4k collection blu-ray collection uh, well i start my <laughs> yes uh, i do have uh, a collection uh, not as extensive as uh, as your collection, but my wa- my wife t- sometimes you know, is like I need to build another uh, uh, f- uh, room because it it does take over your life. <laughs> oh, it, it it does. This room I'm sitting in right now is supposed to be our third bedroom, but uh, yeah. we essentially have a two bedroom house yeah. with with a movie room. <laughs> yeah, I, my problem is also posters. You know, it's like I'm running out of wall space. Yeah, so, no, I see. I love the posters. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was my issue too. I only have, I've got a slanted ceiling, so I only have two flat walls and I'm like, I can't hang stuff up where I need to hang it. Yeah. And, um, and, and then you have the problem of, well, I have all these great posters and no one will ever see it. And they, <laughs> right. 
put or they rolled up somewhere. They've slowly snuck out into the hallway outside the room. A couple of them made their way downstairs. You know, it's part of the house now. Um, but yeah, no, it is. That's a it's an issue with physical media collections. Is certainly space. Um, but la- last question before I let you go, because I know you're obviously a very busy guy. Um, I, I was just wondering, sort of, after you've looked at a movie like Apocalypse Now or The Godfather, and you've been looking at it frame by frame for months, years, do you have a hard time going back and watching it after you've, you know, you've kind of lived it? No, uh, I, you know, I always think this about Francis too. It's like he's spending with these films for so long and I ask him to come and look at it. He has no problem looking at these films and which just amazes me. And he, and he'll tell the greatest stories about, the, the, the process of how he got to, to make the, the film, uh, which is always how I know that he's he, he likes the work and he likes what we do because, you know, he's not caught up in the technical part of it that he could just be absorbed by the story. And, you know, that's the same, same thing with me. I, I can't who can get tired of Godfather. They're great stories. And I, I swear I find new things each time I watch The Godfather. I was like, oh. That uh, that's Tessio, oh, and that's young Tessio, and I have that relationship, and it was like, there's some there's some really great layers in that that you, uh, that when you see it the first time, you miss completely, and then you start unwinding this to see this is like, oh, this is how the family's all connected, and then how they all met each other, and no, it, it it it's a fun thing, and I think that's what makes the films a classics. Oh, that's awesome because I know, I, hey, sometimes you know artists are you know, musicians or something, they won't listen to their work. Directors won't watch no, their that's work. True. So, true. you know, that's, it's true. I was curious, you know, do you get too close to it? But now, sometimes, uh, you know, the only times that will bother me is like, Oh, I could have done something. You know, I missed that. How could I have missed that? No one notices it. My wife says, Oh yeah, I, I never saw that until you pointed it out. I was like, well, right. it lives with me. And I was like, I should have next time, next time. But you always <laughs> have to leave something for the next time. Oh, of course. <laughs> right. So, and I think that's what always with the filmmaker is that they always get they they caught up with the flaws or they wish they get a different performance or something and you know oh, it bothers totally. it bothers them that maybe they could have done a little a little things differently you know and it's hard to detach from your work. Oh, I mean, I, I don't even watch my own YouTube videos for the same reason. I'm like, oh, that edit was terrible. I shouldn't have done that. You know, I just can't. Um, so I I totally understand, but I'm glad that you can at least enjoy all the hard work you put in and and do watch them because they are. They are incredible discs, and I'm really looking forward to what's next because between The Godfather, Apocalypse Now, and Dementia 13, I mean, it's home run after home run after home run. You haven't missed yet. so Conversation will be all around you know, for the 50th. We'll, we'll work on that. So I think that will be the next kind of big one that we'll, we'll hopefully get out there. So, Well, I'm looking forward to all that, and I do. I really appreciate you just taking the time today, talking through you know what you do and the process. I think it's super interesting we all we all see the discs when they come out and they're pressed and you know that there's a ton of work that goes into them that i think people sometimes overlook um and so i wanted to make sure we you know spread the word get it out there because it's it's hard work but it's it's important work and i'm really glad that you know people like yourself are doing it so um appreciate the time and um is that you know is there anywhere you want can people find you on online do you want uh, people to find you online? I, on twitter <laughs> i guess i do social media as twitter i'm az film archivist so uh you could look at me that way and that's generally it so i generally post uh, on twitter uh what i'm 
what projects I'm doing or problems I'm trying to work through in restoration. So, or upcoming projects is the best way to, to, to find out what's going on. Yeah, I will. Uh, so we'll, we'll put that link down in the, the video and the audio description. If you guys want to follow along, I know I follow along because great information there. And, um, I want to see what's next because it's been so, so great so far with what's come out. So, yeah. So just really appreciate your time. Um, Hope you have a great rest of your day. I'm looking forward to come, you know, what comes next. And okay. uh, until next we'll, time, we'll talk again soon. Yeah. Well, thank you. Have a good day. And uh, let's do this again. Absolutely. Thanks, James. So that is it for James. Thank you once again to James for taking the time out of his busy schedule to talk to us, especially being a podcast that's, you know, only on episode three. He certainly had no reason to stop by, but he was cool enough to do it. And so I really, really appreciate it. Hope you guys enjoyed that and some of the topics we talked through. I think he has some great points on the future of media and film preservation, especially the stuff about, you know, digital preservation. I've always thought, you know, okay, digitally, you know, it's, it's restored it's it's saved it's in 4k digital and he makes a great point about like what's next what happens if hard drives go out of you know sync or have issues or get broken down what happens if the formatting isn't the right format for the next you know set of computers in 20 years um really really interesting point so i i loved the conversation with him hope to have him back uh, on the podcast at some point maybe when he when he finishes up the uh, paris is burning restoration uh, we can talk about that but if you guys haven't yet definitely check out the godfather 4k release it is a beauty i have a full youtube video that breaks down the restoration and reviews the 4k quality but it's really like watching it for the first time and apocalypse now on 4k also outstanding as well as the outsiders so i'd highly recommend all three of those so that's it for today's episode. Make sure you're following along both on YouTube if you want the video format, which I am recording every one of these episodes, or make sure you're following along on your favorite podcast apps, Spotify, Apple, wherever your podcasts can be found. I'd really appreciate a follow there and make sure you leave a little five-star review if you're enjoying the content so far. I'd really appreciate it. We've been charting already on the uh, podcast which is which is crazy um we've already been like top 10 in the uk for film review podcasts so you know just we're on the up and up and it's all thanks to you guys after just three episodes so i really appreciate it hope you guys have a great rest of your day stay safe and stay healthy out there i'll be back next week with another episode and that's about it i'll talk to you soon coming soon be sure to subscribe to the Films at Home podcast using your favorite app so you don't miss another episode. And while you're there, don't forget to rate and review this podcast, which helps us out tremendously. You can also help support us by watching our short form content over on YouTube and TikTok by searching Films at Home. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at films underscore at underscore home. The intro and outro were created by Elon Osborne. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.